everybody, this is Kim C, and you're listening to The Year of Underrated Stephen King, a literary book podcast that strives to provide a more nuanced and layered perspective to Stephen King's underrated works. Hi guys, thank you so much for joining me on this especially fun, ultra-wacky episode where I have the best time with two amazing hosts of another book podcast called Palaver Unraveling Weird Lit. My special guests today are Jess and Kendra. So we met er, in the early days of both of our podcasts getting off the ground and we were all King fans and since have connected uh, through various collaborations, one of them being 1995's Rose Matter, as well as 1987's Misery. We kind of do some mutual episodes. We have a really good time. So uh, in order to continue the celebration of this podcast reaching one year, our first birthday, our first trip around the sun, I wanted to have an episode of pure Stephen King fun. So I cooked up some questions and the 10 questions I provided to the three of us as a trio are in the show notes, but we have decided, Jess, Kendra, and myself, to uh, coin ourselves as the Stephen King trauma sisters, seeing as though we tend to reach out to each other when we're going to read a Stephen King book that's going to be gnarly in terms of violence or horror, so the Stephen King trauma sisters have assembled today. And we are answering 10 really layered questions in the Stephen King world. We are all over the place, guys. Movies, uh, novellas, short stories, hypothetical questions, um, favorite Losers Club member. We are just exploring all the areas, picking up all the rocks, looking under every surface. Uh, it was so much fun. There's a lot of laughter. Um, what I also love about Justin Kendra is that for whatever serendipitous reason, all of the Stephen King books I have read, they haven't read, minus a couple of his uh, bestsellers in there where we all kind of have similar common ground. But the ones that I haven't read, they have read. So it's this wonderful peanut butter and jelly sandwich that's going on. But we had an amazing time and we would love for you guys to have fun with us and answer some of these questions with us. So please stick around for a really zany brainy episode where we're just all over the place in the land of King. Uh, and uh, before I uh, surrender to our super fun conversation, just a tiny caveat, dear listener. I, for whatever reason, get sort of gut-punched by an evil leprechaun every time I record with Justin Kendra, and my audio is a little on the glitchy side, so it cuts in and out. Unfortunately, I've been seeking assistance for it as Double, unfortunately, this has happened previously on the podcast concerning Jess and Kendra. Um, so I'm working with professionals. They gave me the go-ahead, they gave me the green light, and I'm still having problems. So before I Hulk smash my entire life to smithereens due to, uh, you know, the rage, I am just going to put this out there and many apologies up front to all of you who have to slog through some less than ideal choppy audio. Uh, please 
please forgive me. I vehemently, ardently apologize, and I was this close to just scrapping the episode in its entirety, but Jess and Kendra are just bright, blooming roses, and they make me laugh so much, and we had such a good time, so I would like you guys to give us a chance. If you like, that would mean the world to us, um, but if you start getting annoyed, that's fine. You could scrap it. No worries. But this is my last sort of celebratory episode commemorating one year of the year of underrated Stephen King. We are very happy to be here. There are many roads left to travel and hopefully more years to come. So without further ado, take a look at the show notes to observe the 10 questions I pose to Jess, Kendra, and myself and play along with us as we chat Stephen King. Yay! All right, I'm here with Justin Kendra, host of Palaver Unraveling Weird Lit, and we're gonna have some fun today with some Stephen King questions that if you are a constant reader, hopefully you will enjoy playing along with us in some uh, hypo hypothetical, yeah, I was gonna say hypothesis, but hypothetical <laughs> uh, questions here, as well as um, taking our favorite King characters and uh, exploring them a little bit more. So, Justin Kendra, thank you so much for joining me. Of course. Happy thank to be here. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Such a pleasure. So Kendra and Jess and I have collaborated twice before on the 1995 novel Rose Matter as well as <laughs> 1987's Misery. So I'm going to include some really helpful links so we can jump back and listen to our collaborations because we have a ton of fun together. And uh, we're deciding to call, maybe coin ourselves the Trauma Sisters because yes. <laughs> Books. I think it's totally perfect. We're going to have to do some merch on that. But we're going to have some fun <laughs> celebrating a year of the underrated, the year of underrated Stephen King podcast and just further celebration by having a bit of fun today. So I have 10 questions for Kendra, Jess, and myself where we're going to play around in the world of King. And the first one I have, because all three of us are huge fans of the 1986 novel It, we're going to start there. So my first, yeah, I know, yay! And I love it. Oh my god, <laughs> it's a masterpiece. So my first question to kick us off is: If you had to pick only one member of the Losers Club to be best friends with, who would it be? Just one. Just one, and then maybe you could have like a top three, but you gotta pick like <laughs> you gotta have one be your bestie. Ah, okay. Well, I can start us off. Are you okay with that, Jess? Please, please, because we've we've discussed this before a little bit, or like a version of this. Yes. So when we watched the movie when we read the book which for me the order was movie then book Jess you read book then movie we'll watch movie and mm -hmm. when we were watching we like I had this thought that while I was watching I'm like oh my gosh one of those would be my kid like we call them our it babies because we're <laughs> like that child has my personality and if that's not my yeah. child I don't know what is and I had a, a point 
a sticking out moment <laughs> in both the movie and the book where I'm like, Ricky to- or Ricky, Richie Tozier, Tozier would be my child. Like, <laughs> I cannot help it. Like, in the movie, he said something that just, I'm like, the same. I feel the same. Like, the reason I'm going to get, like, murdered someday is because I'll say a sarcastic moment or a sarcastic comment at the wrong moment. And I'm like, that's Richie Tozier. He's that's his downfall is the sarcastic comment at the wrong time and annoying people to death. And in the book, the moment was I remember him clearly being chased down into the sewers by Henry. And as he's going down, he's terrified, but he's laughing through the terror and he just like flicks off Henry as he's going down like into the sewers. And I'm like, my child, (laughs) like that is not the time or the place. But goddamn it, you got a good fuck you in. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) so like we both discussed ben would be jess's uh it baby so Uh, yeah (laughs) right i know they're both so stinking sweet and then Um, there's richie and me the asshole and (laughs) so we're like i was talking to jess i'm like so would my best friend would i want my best friend to be my it baby because that kind of is me or would it be someone else that I would want to be best friends with? And that's that was the hard part in deciding. Because <laughs> the it character I connect with, Richie Tozier. Okay. But if I had to pick one to be best friends with, I think that I would need the level-headedness of Stan, if I'm being honest. So good. Because wow, really? Yeah, I like Stan. I thought he was a really good character. And like... This might sound wrong, but even as an adult, like, I I don't get why he did what he did. But, like, he was like, no, fuck that. Like, I'm not going back to deal with that shit. And I'm like, <laughs> he just was the most, like, nope. <laughs> and You're right. He's like Richie's opposite. <laughs> Absolutely. I totally see that. He is. And, like, I would need that to be my best friend to, like, be like, guys, let's just go watch some fucking birds. Like, why do we have, to, why do we have to deal with this? Why is this on us to deal with? And to be like, you know what? That's a really good question, Stan. Thank you for leveling us at this moment. That's so cute. That's um, a fascinating pair. Yeah. I'm loving that. <laughs> so I think that would be who I would need my best friend to be. And I thought Stan was like very brave in parts of it. Like, I know they always say big Ben's the the brave one and stuff, but I thought Stan had his moments where he was just like very logical, very level headed and could showed signs of what I thought was a good leader too. Uh, 1000% agree. I don't think that we focus enough on Stan. I'm so glad you brought him Mm -hmm. up because he really falls in the background because of what happens to him um, as -hmm. an adult. And so everybody's like, oh, okay, well, you know, we're not going to talk about Stan anymore. But yeah, he's he has a really amazing encounter with Pennywise that just shows how strong and brave he is. I just mm-hmm. carried those scars and that trauma, perhaps like locked it away. And then when it came out, it came out with a vengeance. Bless him. Sweet. It did. It did. But sweet baby. Yeah. <laughs> I love that pairing, though. I love that. Yep. I need to stand the man. So that'd be my <laughs> best friend. <laughs> And who's um, your who's your who's your little little person? Oh my gosh! So Ben is definitely the most like me, and I like. He's your I it totally. <laughs> I remember the moment in the book that like vibed with me the most, 
was and this is so sad and I did not have a childhood like this like I had I had friends so I don't understand why this spoke to me but when he had friends for the first time and didn't understand how lonely he was beforehand do you remember that moment where he was like well he's never had anybody before so he had no idea the joy of like having a group of people to hang out with um, and I, I don't know why that spoke to me. I really don't. I just thought that was like, oh, my God, I get it. I get it, dude. So <laughs> sweet. Um, but on the other hand, I would definitely want to be best friends with Mike Hanlon because yeah. he he mm-hmm. gets the shit done. Yes. He's the grounded one. You know, he's like the the driving force behind, you know, what what happens at the end without giving mm-hmm. away spoilers. Like he's. I feel like he's the most neutral, and I, I like that, you know? He is. You're right. Oh, my God. Such a... This is why it is the best novel ever, because I'm just thinking... About, it's so good. I'm just thinking about these characters you guys are mentioning and how incredibly layered and complex and beautiful and precious they all are. Dynamic. Oh I love them and all. we see them as children. We see them as adults. It's genius. I adore these pairings. And Ben, I forget. Do you guys remember? Is Ben new to town? Has, or is that just something I'm getting crossed with something else? Like, is Ben new to Derry or he's just... He he is. I believe so. Okay, that makes sense. He is. He is so, he's such an old soul, too, like with the poem to mm-hmm. like, Yes. Oh, the poem. So stinking sweet. Right? Like, <laughs> he's 10. Like, does he even know the power? Like, does he even know? <laughs> I don't think he does, but it's so stinking adorable. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I love all of those people so much. And, Kim, who would your it baby be? Oh, like, which one is most you? Yeah. yeah, I'm really curious. I'm so glad you asked because my it baby, as well as my best friend, is the same person. Like, 100. Uh huh. Yeah. And it's Bill Denbro. Like, he is. Wow. It's Bill. Yeah. It is. Big Bill. Yes, it is Bill because Bill had the trauma of being. So I am the oldest in my family and I have two younger brothers. And so I identified so much with Bill and little Georgie because the big brother, the older sibling responsibility, it is so heavy. And I could feel throughout the novel, like not only Bill's stress, but like the grief and the blame and the sadness of like failing because he was in that oldest sibling role. And it's such a devastating role that nobody asks to have. And I think some Mm -hmm. some older siblings like kind of just let it go. And they're like, whatever, fend for yourselves, younger people, I'm going to do me. But some older siblings feel incredible like they're they're the parent and they're the they're the caretaker and they have to take care of everybody and I felt that with Bill and so when I was reading his struggle like my favorite part in the novel it makes me cry every single time is when I think they're in the barrens and he's like we got to go into the sewers again and everybody's standing around him and they're like Bill we're gonna die and he kind of has that moment where he's like please help me and he just sort of crumples a little bit and he's like help me and they all like hug him oh my god I cry every time but 
Bill, I think it's just because I want to comfort him as the as an older sibling because I know what that's like. So I just want to hug Bill and be like, you didn't do anything wrong, buddy. It's you're okay. It's okay. It's not your fault. Like you did good. You didn't fail. But at the same time, he's so brave. He's so heroic. He's the one who's like um has so much trauma from like losing his brother and Georgie is like you know Pennywise uses it to to haunt him and to you know yeah. clutch his soul so it's the same person my babe my little it baby and my best friend because I just think that Bill needs somebody to encourage him and be like you didn't screw it up like you didn't do anything wrong it's not your fault and I, I feel like he never got that you know, he did a little bit mm-hmm. from the Losers Club, but I think like he'll need it forever. <laughs> so, forever. Yes. Yeah. So I want to be Bill's friend and just say like, not your fault, not your fault. You didn't fail. You're awesome. You were battling like um, a super old monster from the depths of hell who eats kids. It's not your fault. You did your best. <laughs> and he was so brave. He was the one who like didn't want to stop. He's like, we got to go back. We have mm-hmm. to go into the sewer, all that stuff. So Bill is my guy. I think – and I, I think I was chatting with another guest on the, the show. I think he's my favorite character of all Stephen King characters. Of really? All of yeah. I have a lot I of – Right? It. I have a lot of favorites, but there's something about, like, Bill's heart – and his bravery and also the grief he carries with him. Like you could just tell like mm-hmm. never gonna get over what happened to Georgie. And he's and I that blame and I don't know, I think it's like a certain birth order thing, like o- like older kids, but also older kids that maybe had to grow up really fast that had a lot of responsibility on their plates. And I felt that mm-hmm. I felt that with Bill. So he's my guy. I that love is just, that. Yeah, that is so fascinating, Kim, because I I don't I'm an only child. I don't have any siblings. So like I didn't get that at all. Right. I mean, like I got it, like, oh yeah, he feels guilty about it. But like it didn't oh. strike me to my core like it did to you did like how you're describing. So that that just like proves to me the complexity of like this novel and King's works in general, that it hits different people in completely different ways, you know? Oh yeah. It's different for every reader. You know, I'm, I am an older sibling as well. And I totally, I felt that, uh, with, with Bill that like, oh my gosh, like, you know, you're, you're expected to look out for your younger sibling and like for something to happen, like, even though we know it wasn't his fault, but he, you know, has these connections to the event and like, he's always going to blame himself. I would totally feel the same way. So yeah, I, I totally get it. Right. Yeah. It just hit me so hard. And I'm, I am so excited guys, because almost every time I hear, you know, people talk about the losers club, everybody always picks Beverly. And, and it makes sense because she's the only girl. She is really special. She is really unique, but I'm so mm-hmm. glad you guys didn't pick Beverly. It just kind of shows like how diverse the group is on how who they attract because everyone's like, oh, it's Beverly, it's Beverly. She's great. Mm-hmm. She's super great. But I I, I find it refreshing. Oh, I find it really refreshing when like the other Losers Club members get to shine and you guys picked the most amazing one. So <laughs> <laughs> I do. I love well like if it's so hard to pick a favorite because the losers club is just an amazing group. Right. Like 
if, if I have to pick, pick my favorite book, it's this because of the Losers Club. Not just one individual, but all of them together make this perfect family and team. And I love them all. But yeah, I do have a favorite and it's Richie. But uh, I also love Stan. Close right there. And I have to say, I really love Eddie's character yes. as well. Um, oh, he's he just amazing. Has a special place. And especially... Like, I liked his character in the book, obviously, but if you've seen the part one, like, his the kid that plays him is just oh spot my God, on. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> brilliant kid. Cracks me up every time. I don't know if this is, I haven't seen the um, behind the scenes, but somebody said that older Eddie and child Eddie are father and son in the 2017, 2019 It movies. Is that true? Do you guys know about that? I have no they, idea. They look a lot alike. But they, they look really so much alike and they act so much alike. Totally. I believe it. <laughs> totally. I, oh my God, poor Eddie. I just love him so much. He's one of those kids where you're just like, oh, sweet bunny, because he's so, he's not sick, but he just thinks he's so frail because his mom is such a hypochondriac. But, oh, yeah. Well, uh, and the actual, the friend that I saw the It movie with first, that was her It baby. I told Aww. her in the middle of the watching. And he said something along the lines when they were carrying Ben uh, back, the, like about getting AIDS from his like wound, like his blood, b- bloodborne pathogens, <laughs> like from his wound. He mentioned something like that. And I'm like, that's your child. You would, you would be saying, don't touch any bloody people because this is going to happen. And she's like, Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Richie, I don't know if you guys have read um, 112263, but there's a huge Richie Bev cameo. Have you read that one? No. no. Oh my God. I need to know. What? Oh my God, you guys. Okay, so um, the main character, Jake Epping, of course, goes back to um, the past. He goes in the show on Hulu, he goes to the year 1962, but in the book, he goes back to 1958 and he goes to Derry, and Bev and Richie are practicing a dance together called the oh my god yeah and so of course we've got like what? yeah it's Bev and Richie and Jake is talking with them and it's oh it's magic it's so magic and they're 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 dancing they're learning this dance called the Lindy Hop because Richie's amazing and Bev is outgoing and so they're both just like having fun and it's so sweet it's so cute and if I remember oh my correctly gosh. I think they're about 13. Stop. Oh, Just that's add it so to the list cool. for reading it. <laughs> yes, I will add it to the list. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I'm so excited for your guys' it breakdown because it needs to be celebrated and broken down forever, forever. It's the most perfect book. It's just incredible. The characters. I'm so big on character development and character just growth and my gosh, the best characters you could ask for. <laughs> wholeheartedly agree but yeah amazing answers i love all of your guys's so much and we could just i could spend hours just talking about the losers club i know you guys can too oh same well we're gonna jump to question two and we're still gonna be talking about kids of course but my second question is which psychic child in king's work um, which one is your favorite? You can have more than one, of course, but you do need to pick like a number one. I've got a number one. <laughs> you're are you okay? I still need to like think about this while you're answering. So you first. Okay, okay. Well, 
first of all, I have to say, and I know I've mentioned this before uh, on our podcast, but I love how Stephen takes children and the elderly and makes them like the heroes because society always expects the least from them. And then he gives them the most powerful power. So I love when he has the kids be the power or the elderly be the power. And one of my favorite psychic kids comes from the Institute. And that's just Mm, full of psychic kids. (laughs) I love Kalisha Brown. Oh my God. So good. (laughs) I, I am a sucker. I'm a sucker for the heart of the story. Like it's always, it always happens to me. And let me tell you, Steven is not kind to the heart of the story. And Kalisha Brown, or not Brown, I'm sorry, Benson. Yes. I Right? Kalisha, Kalisha Benson. Okay. She is like just a natural leader. She's loving. And like, if you've read the Institute, you know, like these kids aren't in a great situation. And she is just trying to make the best out of a bad situation. She's super powerful. And I love like our first introduction to her. She's like, uh, we have like another main character who's getting used to being in this situation that they're now in. I'm trying not to spoil too much if anyone hasn't read the Institute, but she she's like, yep, here, let me uh, let me just give you like a kiss and maybe you'll get chicken pox and get like this extra thing. And I'm just like, damn, like she's so bold. She's powerful. She's a leader. She's comforting. She is the heart of the group. And She's just my favorite uh, psychic kid. Oh, my God. Amazing choice. Amazing choice. <laughs> um, I uh, feel so behind because I have to read this. And I'm so jealous because I know I'm going to love it. But I just haven't got it. Oh, you will. Yet. <laughs> um, yeah, really quick. I Before I forget, because I know I forget. I have the goldfish lately. But um, the Institute is so nostalgic for being written in 2019. I think it is such yeah. a little 80s cupcake. It's so nostalgic. Mm-hmm. It's so awesome. The kids are great. And in my Institute episode, there was a quote that Kalisha gave that just oh m- melted my heart. And I think it's with one of the kids who bless them. They've been, you know, pumped so full of like chemicals, they're catatonic. Mm-hmm. And Kalisha, oh. she's so strong, but she was like being very maternal and sweet. And she was like spoon feeding a friend of hers. And her yeah. friend was trying to eat. And she was just like, I think it, her name was Helen, but she's, she, mm-hmm. she would encourage her. And she's like, come on, Helen, come on, hell on wheels. And she would like try to try to feed her and I was just like she's so cheeky and funny and sweet and like uh, but also so strong and capable she Mm -hmm. she's great great choice I love Kalisha (laughs) (laughs) but yeah Josh you're gonna love that book it's so good oh I can't wait I can't wait um Man, this is such <laughs> a hard. It is hard. Hard. There's so many. Questions. There's so many. <laughs> okay, I have I have a top pick, but then can I give a shout out to another one? Honorable mentions are always welcome. <laughs> You're the best. Um, so I'm gonna go with Abra Stone oh, from Doctor Sleep. <laughs> oh, Abra. <laughs> um. I, first of all, I love her name. Um, and I just, she is so mature 
for her age, like wildly mature, like just connects with Danny and goes along with the whole wild notion of like in public, we have to pretend that you're my uncle or whatever to this like kind of total stranger. But she she trusts her instincts and she trusts herself enough that that she just does the damn thing. And yeah, it's. She was yeah. she was really badass oh. in in my eyes. Avrostone from Doctor Sleep, so good. Oh my god. Hmm. Um. But I have to mention the crew from Dreamcatcher. Did you oh, read Dreamcatcher? I haven't. I haven't. But feel free to. I have not. Oh, okay, guys. Like it's They're so the child. book itself is not my favorite. Um. But it's the kids. I, well, okay, it's a, it's an it thing again. They're kids, and then they're adults. Okay, but there's four boys um, who befriend um, another boy with Down syndrome, and they become this like quartet, if you will. <laughs> and they are just such little unique personalities. Steven is so good at that, like so good at that. Um, so I, I would read that one just for the characters, but Aberstone remains my favorite. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm so glad you brought up Dreamcatcher. I haven't read that one yet. Um, that one is going to be on the show here coming up because it is said that it's it's a post-accident King book. So there's a lot of thoughts about it, but I didn't know there were kids in that one. So thank you for reminding me. But I'm freaking out because um, for those listening, we did not talk about these answers before and i'm just freaking out because all three of us picked females all three of us i'm so in love because you know kendra picked kalisha from 2019's the institute and jess's is from 2014's dr sleep and mine is charlie mcgee from firestarter which i believe 1982 i think i might be screwing up oh have you guys read Firestarter? No. no. At least I oh haven't, guys. Okay, so um, Charlie is, I believe, six years old when we start, and her parents are, they were broke college students and, of course, uh, decided to get some extra cash by volunteering for an experiment where they were injected with basically, like, X-Men chemicals, oh. and uh, they were... This is right up my alley. Oh my god, you're gonna love it. So her dad and her mom were altered for telepathic and telekinetic abilities, and then they got married and had Charlie. And Charlie is pyrokinetic. I think that's what the love it. Yeah. So she's a pyrokinetic. She can randomly start fires. She's basically the Daenerys of her day, Um, and she is so great and bless her she's so little and she starts fires and she accidentally hurts people um but this novel is like a total fast-paced thrill ride and at the end without spoiling too much charlie does not age that much she's eight years old when the novel concludes and a baby still yeah 
super <laughs> little girl. And so I'm just like, oh my God, I gotta find out what happens to this little queen, this like giraffe. <laughs> because she is so powerful because Abra, incredibly powerful. Kalisha, super duper powerful. Like these, what I also like is King really revs it up to like level 11 with the females. And like that's he does mm-hmm. so strong. So Charlie, I think is, is she's like if you guys know comic book stuff. I compared her to um, kind of like a a goddess, like destroyer goddess. Like she's that level of like wow. X Men because Abra reminds me of like Jean Grey from X Men, like the dark feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, cool. um, but yeah, Charlie McGee. She can uh, make explosive. She can melt people's faces off. Yeah, she's so powerful. And she's trying to learn in the novel how to control it. Um, Her parents did their best to try and teach her. But she's, oh, basically her story is what makes me so curious. Like, she's my favorite because it's like, what if, what if, what if? Because I foresee her being a bad guy like a real bad guy for a while because um so yeah i think you guys would really love firestarter it's a thrill ride and they're making a new movie which i'm excited about and yes word on the street is that zach efron's gonna play her dad stop (laughs) Dad. <laughs> oh my god, how old are we? I know. I know he's so young and foxy. It's like, what? Okay. So he's gonna play dad. Um, I don't know who's cast as Charlie yet, but um the nineteen eighty four film um with Drew Barrymore is really like a fun popcorn eighties adventure if you guys ever play it. Love that. It's really fun, but I'm so excited we all chose females, not just Amazing. That planned. No way. Oh, we just literally off the top of our heads picked that. That is awesome. So good. Um, so yeah, that thrills me. Um, all all amazing, super powerful women. And yeah, I, I'm just really surprised because I was thinking usually everybody picks Danny Torrance, or I really loved in Low Men in Yellow Coats, um, Bobby, what's his he was great you know all of these really special mm-hmm. people i was like you know i i was i was expecting some of those or you guys really like talisman and isn't there another like special little boy in there there is um jack okay jack? Is, is jack uh psych- psychic though um, like they thought he used something to go through the mid world and stuff. I didn't know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Got it's a not touch really of the shine, probably, but like not as much as these guys. These guys are like powerful in it, for sure. For yeah, he's. I mean, the the kids in Dreamcatcher have that like little bitty touch of the shine, so that's kind of probably where Jack is too. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I like that. I like that a lot. Um. But yeah, I was super surprised we all pick ladies. So I'm going to segue into our fourth question. I think it's fourth. It might be third. I might be um, jumping around a little bit. But I have 
throughout my podcast sort of remained on this one soapbox that Jim Rennie is the worst <laughs> villain ever. Um, Jim <laughs> Rennie from Under the Dome, big Jim Rennie. And although in our collective reading together, we also encountered Norman Daniels, who was a piece of work, also a piece of shit. Yes, and, absolute so, trash. Yeah. <laughs> and so... My question, my next one is, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> I'm reading this question, I was like, what's wrong with me? But um, it's basically... <laughs> I know exactly which one you're talking about, because I was like, yeah, let's do some premeditated stuff to these people. I agree. Right, so this question <laughs> is about if you could kill any <laughs> villain, um, which one would you kill? And so for me... Um, I specifically asked just because I hate him so much. How would you kill Jim Rennie or um, what other premeditated murder plot do you have in mind for any Stephen <laughs> King villain? May I? May I? Um, uh, so Kendra and I were talking about this a little bit because she has not read Under the Dome. So she is not familiar with Big Jim Rennie. Okay. Um, I'm not. But if I can just say, like, what sets Big Jim Rennie apart from every, uh, like, literally most of the King villains that I can think of, is he is, like, diabolically calculating. So he will, like, kill, like, eight people before you even know what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's quiet about it which makes him really deadly. Whereas, mm. like, Annie Wilkes, you know that she's fucked. <laughs> um, excuse me. Yeah, sorry. you do. <laughs> or, like, um, uh, Norman Daniels, you know he's fucked. Like, there are red flags all over the place. Whereas Big Jim Rennie Just is to able to hide it, you know? Yeah. 1000% just is totally correct. He is the epitome of the expression wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, he's mm. a politician of the town of Chester's Mill, and he's a used car salesman or a car salesman. I don't know if it's used. And he has a lot of people who love him and think he does no wrong. Meanwhile, he's completely corrupt. But everybody loves him, trusts him, gives him money, gives him power. He's charismatic. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that sounds scarily like people I know in real life. <laughs> right? Totally. Totally. And he is so awful because of when the dome comes down over Chester's mill, he just decides to like martial law the place. And he's like, oh, I'm king now. I'm, I'm going to take over. And he has such influence and so many people who respect him. He gets like, you know, all of these thugs to be cops and they're not even trained. Mm-hmm. He just gives them guns and pa- it, it's terrifying. It's really terrifying. And it is. And people love and support him. And uh, it, it's the the corruption and the fake like nice the fake wholesome that is so awful because like just said none of the other villains pretend they're just like we're awful we're evil right in your face but jim rennie is the trickster he's the one who gets everybody on his side and it's awful (laughs) and uh, it is unfortunately king keeps him around 
a really long time and that is a giant <laughs> novel that is a giant novel and uh you just want to commit murder i did i <laughs> i did fictional murder everyone Correct. thank you that's a yes fictional murder and not real life murder thank you kendra <laughs> You're welcome. I got your back. <laughs> yes. Um, so for me, uh, Jim Rennie is the one who I would take out. And I said a while back in the podcast, because he does exit the novel. Thankfully, King does not allow him to survive. Sorry for the but he doesn't survive. I won't reveal how, but I was very unsatisfied with his exit. And so for me, I was planning- Yeah. I was planning a uh, a very large humiliation. So I'll get more into detail after you guys go. But what are your who, who would you uh, whack, <laughs> as the mob says? As the mob would say. Yeah. Um, Kendra, do you want to go or do you want me to? Oh, I can go because I know. <laughs> go uh, ahead. I would uh, I would premeditate some murder against Normie Daniels because. I can't think of a person who deserves it more, to be completely honest. And when, because luckily we do get an end, but there's no, like, and that was a pretty satisfying end to Normie. It was. But it could have been better. Like, there could have been longer time that he was in pain, and there could have been a longer or more embarrassing. And (laughs) I really love... I, I, you know, I love Steven's idea. I love his train of thought when he had Gert pee on his face. And I just really <laughs> yes. wish more people could have been around. So, like, I would hook up with the daughters and sisters and we would plan this and we'd be like, okay, everybody, Gert's there, Cindy's there. They're all, we're all going to like just humiliate this man and then like then he'll die so he would have to uh be i i agree he'd have to be peed on like it happened in the story but everybody would watch and there'd there'd be there'd be record of it and i think he needs his balls squeezed just like he did to popping like tennis balls pop 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 them both uh sorry this is super detailed but i just think he deserves love it love it (laughs) and um i just think he needs like everybody to know all the things he did to Rosie and I think like everybody needs to know how much of the scum of the earth so like it would be cool for there to be like a trial just so that people in the public could know but then like let us take justice in our own hands and let's yeah let's I do like the idea of feeding him to a spider demon but like I feel like maybe maybe we could go to dairy and just like like leave him in the sewers oh. and like let fate <laughs> decide after he's been humiliated and you know let 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 uh let it babies you know <laughs> when i say it babies i don't mean ours <laughs> but i mean hers uh <laughs> eat him <laughs> let him feed them and then uh that's that's not good though cuz yeah you know yeah i'm going to go with it i think he needs to be fed to the it babies so good I like it. it. To be clear, once again, uh, I I know this is a shocking part of it, so sorry for spoilers, but not the human it baby. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's how Normie dies <laughs> for me. <laughs> so so good, so so good. What about you, Jess? Um. Okay. So 
first of all, I love my partner in books, Kendra, um, and her very detailed description of death. <laughs> but like, um, I'm over here as the Hufflepuff, and like my my brain is working in a completely different way. So I. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is my Slytherin brain a little too dark today? Let me turn it off. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, perhaps, honestly, I think yours might be more just. So mine is Rose the Hat. <gasps> oh, oh, she deserves a death. <laughs> well, wait, hold on. And I and I don't mean to like still be caught on Doctor Sleep after the Aberstone incident, but like Rose the Hat is so fucking annoying <laughs> like she is so she irritates me so much like i just want to slap the hat off of her head like why are you wearing this put the uh, stop and then she's Love, like this she's is our like hufflepuff a, and slytherin difference too because you want her to get slapped and i'm like <laughs> or like a bat to the face like whatever like <laughs> slap her <laughs> yeah I mean, to that, whatever I think okay, and maybe maybe there's a little bit of a Slytherin side to me because I love I always love a complicated villain, like because that's that's the most fun character, right? But like Rose the Hat is, first of all, her name is stupid, and then her hat is stupid, <laughs> and what she does is like stupid, and she has all of these people who are following her around, like she's she's some like cult leader, but really she's just kind of bitchy and annoying and yells at everybody all the time and i i can't i can't do it i'm annoyed i'm annoyed and i feel bad for all the other people even though they are eating children's souls it's yeah. it's yeah so what are you gonna do that's to it her? are you just gonna slap um, her oh, jessica <laughs> i you have so, to murder her it's true that's Hold on. i got it i got it <laughs> I'm, I'm okay think like bad 80s like you said kim like a popcorn 80s movie um like a really cheesy hit and run <laughs> like that's where like you hit her and like a very obvious dummy goes like flipping over the windshield do you know what i mean yeah. like that's that's what i want like a la um um jeepers creepers when they like roll back over it and then roll over it again and then roll over it again and the wing is sticking out at like an odd angle if you guys have seen that movie but like it's that's what i want that's what i want to happen to rose the hat and then i want like i don't know somebody to to make some stupid 1980s b-movie comment about her fucking top hat <laughs> and that's it i like it. i really like it too so just would turn rose the hat Doctor Sleep into human peanut butter, um, which <laughs> I'm all about because you know she, she is. Um, I had a lot of problems with the True Knot um, when I read Doctor Sleep, and so the fact that she's the leader of the True Knot and yeah, yeah, I could get on board with the irritation for sure. It's annoying. It's annoying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then <laughs> with Kendra's multiple stages of weird. Sorry. No, I love it. I had a lot of notes for Norby. No. I'm sorry. I, I'm so thrilled because I agree with you. For those who trek into Rose Matter, the end of Norman Daniels is very satisfying. And by satisfying, mm -hmm. he's such a horrific villain who has committed so many atrocities over so many hundred pages that you really are salivating for pain and suffering. And we do get Yep. But I agree so much more more is needed. And I think there needs to be like a, a wholeheartedly agree more embarrassment 
or just more torture mm-hmm. torture i think we need yeah more torture. i'm fine with that yeah because i think like with spider with the the way that he does exit which is like you know a very violent limb for limb ripping apart like he's ripped apart yeah um <laughs> pardon the spoilers but uh i i think we need like some salt sprinkled on as he screams i don't mm-hmm. think but, yes. ooh, yeah. you know like, like a little salt spray or acid rain um while he's still alive but ooh, I, yeah i'm pro torture a little bit before he bleeds out and dies same same and i just really want like all of his cop friends to know like what was like lurking under them i want justice for the the stripper that he killed too i like want everybody to know everything he did and how much of a monster he was and then he could be you know tortured and totally i want that same thing for big jim runny and that's what was sort of unsatisfying by the way he ends in under the dome is because granted by the time we do get to the end, you know, Chester's Mill is such a hot mess. There's not really, you know, a lot of normal citizen life in order to accomplish this. But I want like a big screen of some way where we could hidden camera life, drudge up his secret papers. I want like a committee Ooh, yeah. to be like on the big screen and reveal all of his, you know, dirty laundering because he's a he's also like a meth dealer um or yeah yeah he's oh yeah he's so corrupt just one thousand percent evil so i kind of wanted like a public reveal on the big screen for the entire town but that that's a good one because you're right people don't know like a lot of people don't end the book knowing what he is Kim, I like that you and I are both a little bit of justice warriors because we're like, we just want people to know how bad these people are because not enough people do. Right? And I'm a Ravenclaw, and I, but maybe I'm a Slytherin. I don't know. Maybe it's a thing because. I don't know. I think that might be a Gryffindor part in us, though, that we're like, uh, justice will be served. Thank you. Yep. We'll tell them. No matter how cold the dish, um, we're going to serve it up. Because, yeah, yes. one of the coolest parts in uh, Under the Dome, without giving too much away, but let's just say there's a not necessarily a rock fight, but rocks are thrown. Um, and it's pretty epic. And so mm. I was like, oh, that'd be so painful. Uh, oh, that'd be terrifying and painful. Um, so at first I was like, I think he needs to be stoned to death. But then I was like, no, because if he gets one heavy rock to the dome, he's going to pass out and then he won't feel anything anymore. So I think like fire is needed. So we need Charlie McGee to uh, him. So we need to find her in Stephen <laughs> King's universe. We need to like, <laughs> helicopter her over to Chester's Mill <laughs> and then say Queen Charlie Dracaris and barbecue um <laughs> i love it yes let's barbecue him a little bit like just a small charbroil like a little roasting for him to and then you know then back off a little bit then we'll do some questioning then we'll say did you do these things and he'll be like yes yes and then more roasting until he's just charred um Love yeah, it. so being burned alive, I guess, is the the long the long description of that being burned alive. I think that would be satisfying because he is so awful, 
so awful in the white collar way where he's not an upfront oh, yeah. like, like Jess said he's not like a typical king monster which is like irredeemable 100% awful from start to finish this guy's so slippery and slithery like a snake you just need to, to just cut the head off slowly mm-hmm. <laughs> and burn slowly <laughs> but yeah so as i'm making my way through king's underrated works i'm i'm constantly trying to observe whether or not anybody's topping jim rennie on the evil specter and people are getting close like norman daniels is right beneath him annie wilkes is right next oh, yeah. to normie but nobody's taken the crown yet. So we'll see. But that's my premeditated murder for Jim Rennie. And you guys. I love it. Amazing answers. So good. All right. So I love what Kendra said earlier about King's marginalized characters in the forms of children and senior citizens, because you are so right. He does amazing things with these groups. So my next question is, do you guys have a favorite Stephen King senior citizen? Yes, we do. Yep. <laughs> we actually talked about it in our episode on our top five favorite Stephen King uh novels i think is what we narrowed had to narrow it down a little bit because and this is why we've we've talked about hogwarts houses we are big fans of harry potter as well and we both love the same senior citizens but we love more the other one because it's like the opposite house of ourself and we like that's what we love in someone because it's not us if that makes sense so jess you want to go first you want me to go first (laughs) I will. I will. Um, so my favorite is Ted Brodigan. <gasps> yes. Love um, Ted. I like I fell in love with this man in Low Men. And I just and I said this in the episode that Kendra and I did. I just picture this like skeletally skinny man with this perpetual RBF <laughs> and like Yes. With a cigarette sitting on a stoop in like a gravelly voice and I just I love his character so much I love that he is this like wild psychic I love that he um in that story just nonchalantly tells Bobby Garfield like listen up kid I need you to look at some missing pet posters for me please and like it is (laughs) and I um he comes back later, right? And I, I don't know if I should give that away, but he, he shows up don't again. Don't give it away. Should I give it away? He shows no, up again. No, 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 in... no, no, no. Don't. Don't give it away. Okay. Don't give okay. it away. In a very important Stephen King novel, he shows up again. He does, and he <gasps> is fucking brilliant. I just love Ted. Love Ted. Want to be his best friend. <sighs> and he's, he's like the a total ultimate Slytherin. Slytherin. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I am freaking out because I loved him in Low Men in Yellow Coats, which is the first story in Hearts in Atlantis, and I adore him so much, and I thought he was gone forever, so I don't know which one he's going to show back up in, but the fact that you guys say he lives again fills me with joy. It will be, because it's the best surprise, and it it would really ruin it to spoil it, because when he returns, you're like... (gasps) He has returned, yes. (laughs) And it's just the best surprise. And, oh, I love it so much. I'm so happy. (laughs) You'll get there. I know you will. (laughs) You'll read the book. (laughs) Awesome. Definitely. So my favorite senior citizen is Ralph Roberts. 
from Insomnia. (laughs) I love Ralph for because he is okay, he's the heart again, and I love the heart. He's like the ultimate Hufflepuff. Like he is just this old man, like trying to live his life, and then he gets insomnia and he can't sleep. And then his lack of sleep like rises him above to this psychic seeing of like magical beings i don't even know how to describe it insomnia itself is such an abstract novel it's unlike any of the other ones i've read in my opinion and it is i just love how ralph approaches it like well gotta gotta do my best to help these people gotta gotta do my best to solve this problem i don't want to be involved but i guess it's it's been decided that i will be so i'll give it my best go you're it's so sweet and it's like it's like in the story happens to Ralph. Like, yes, there is no. It's not at all like Talisman, where like, um, Jack, shit, Jack, right? Jack, Jack yes, is not going, Jake. <laughs> not Jake, is going on this journey, and like he is making things happen. Like Ralph is, <laughs> Ralph things are is happening so reactionary. to Ralph, and it's not fair. <laughs> It's not. It's not. He's he just reacts to everything as best he can when like just wild shit is happening to him. And like he just wants to protect these people that he like barely knows like that, but that he cares for uh, deeply because he's just this like super caring, loving, sweet old man. And I absolutely love him. He's the ultimate Hufflepuff. That's what I love. And I love Ralph. He's my favorite. Oh, I haven't read that one yet, but he sounds wonderful. He sounds magic. He is. <laughs> I love those choices. Um, so this was a h- really hard for me because, as you guys know, there's so many good ones. There are so many good ones. Like, mm-hmm. this is, oh, I have the hardest time. So I do have some honorable mentions, and then I'm going to try one. But um, the Institute uh, has a really good one named Orphan Annie Ledoux. And I, I'm mentioning her because she's so wild in, in how King just makes her so off the wall. She's homeless. She's like a homeless lady who lives behind the station. And she lives in a tent and she listens to like conspiracy theory radio. <laughs> and she's but it's yeah. like wild, like aliens and all kinds of stuff. And she's also <laughs> yes. like a crack shot. So she is like, totally at home with a shotgun um and she just looks like a bag lady she's really skinny and she helps the kids of course which is precious but she also like she'll blow you away if you cross her and just charming and silly and sweet um another one i really like is joy um a psychic at the joyland park um her name is madame fortuna but her other name is gold and she's like this um jewish lady from Brooklyn who takes care of our main character she's like a a grandmother to him she's really layered and special so these are the ones who i just think about all the time these are the senior citizens but i don't know if he counts as a senior but the one i'm gonna say number one is in duma key have you guys read duma key yet no. no. Oh my god, you guys gotta read Duma Key. It's fantastic. We're added to the list. Right. Firestarter, Duma Key. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> so Duma Key has probably the best, at least that I've encountered so far, like the best male duo friendship. 
and our main character Edgar Fremantle um is friends with this I don't think he's a senior but he's middle-aged and his name is um hi is it Jerome I'm Jerome of course I'm forgetting the name um but he calls everybody muchacho and he is he I got a what it is i'm gonna retreat <laughs> this is one of those moments like of course i'm f- name um but he uh let me grab my text i was gonna say i can look it up yeah can you look it up for me um uh duma key yeah duma key and then it's edgar Fremantle and my goldfish memory on right now and because he's he's definitely my number one senior citizen he's middle-aged He's so happy-go-lucky and sweet, and he just helps. I love those senior guys that just help everybody. Jerome Wyatt. It is Jerome. Thank God I'm not crazy. Yeah, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, Jerome Wireman, but he's mostly referred to in the novel as Wireman, just by his last name. And Edgar and Jerome have the most uh, hilariously sweet and authentic like bromance together. Um, yeah, and Jerome takes care of Elizabeth Eastlake, who's a really rich old lady off of Duma Key, and her whole family owns Key. So she's like multimillionaire, this old lady. She's also a really cool senior citizen, but she's kind of in and out in terms of like lucidity. So she's a little bit. No, I, I was going to pick her, but I was like, she's kind of not all there all the time. She's kind of in the in her own dream world but jerome wireman i want to say is one of my favorite kings senior citizens he's funny so loyal all sorts of supernatural stuff starts to go down and he just kind of sounds like ralph that person you mentioned where he just sort of like goes with uh-huh. it he's like okay stuff is crazy things are floating ghosts are real all right how can i help <laughs> And, I love okay. that. Yeah, that's the best. So Jerome Wireman, I I don't think he's super senior, but I would I think he would get an AARP membership. I think he's I <laughs> like fifty five now. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love it. It's either fifty five or sixty two for um for AARP membership. So, um, but yeah, I think you guys will love Duma Key, and we all need to read it because the villain in Duma Key is trippy and that's all i'm gonna say very trippy so and it's so weird because every time i go like to the half price bookstore i see duma key staring at me and i'm always like not yet not right now it looks big like (laughs) (laughs) i bought it it. it last time you did yeah you got it because it was staring at us for so long it was it's a meaty one but it's a perfect summer one and it's like a ghost beach story. It's like a go- ooh, Kendra. That's right up your alley. I like the paranormal. Oh, you will love it. It's ghosty ghost, super gothic, but it's on the beach, mm. and it's like I think I love it so much. I think it might be in one of, in my top five, my top five kings, which oh. is huge. Ooh, love that. Okay, it's on my list. Yay! My list is growing today. Right. <laughs> Um, so we are going to jump into uh, our next question, which is favorite King short story or novella. And of course, you can have more than one with preference on one, if you can. Got my one. It's always my number one. 
Do you need time Do to it. think, Jess, or did you? Okay. <laughs> I need, I don't, yeah, like my brain is just slow today. So you first. Nothing has disturbed me more, and it's very specific, because we all have very specific fears, than the short story, uh, The Man in the Black Suit. Oh, so good. Oh, yeah. It is horrific to me, and it is so short. Like, it is a hop, skip, and a jump, and you're done. But just the idea and uh, the very specific part is like being alone in this secluded place and then seeing this creature, this thing that you can't explain. And then it unhinges its mouth and opens it so wide. And I was I was just absolutely mortified just getting a mental image of this thing. So I guess to explain it to everyone, I mean, you can go listen to it in a, in just a few minutes, but it's like this Slenderman-esque creature, which mm-hmm. horrifies me to start. And But it has this mouth and it's just talking to this kid being like, hey, like, might eat you up. And I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, and then it just like unhinges its jaw to eat this fish this boy caught. And like, I just imagine its mouth opening so wide with all its teeth. And I can't like I just I can't I I like to think that it crawls too. It didn't say that I don't think, but like I'm like that thing would crawl at me, and I'm like done, absolutely <laughs> done, horrified, can't deal with it, haunted me, and that is my favorite because it just was so very specific to my fears and what haunts me. I was like, you wrote this for me, Stephen, and you did good. I'm scared. <gasps> Oh, that's such a good pick, Kendra. That one is so vivid. <laughs> that is so vivid and terrifying. And it's, well, I think, the first story in Everything's Eventual, which I think came out in 2002. <sighs> but yeah, I agree. It is hauntingly good. Haunting. Haunting. Yes, that's a good word for it. It's, it's very haunting. So that is my favorite short story. It is always at the top of my list. It just is, it's spooky. Kendra, and you read that like really early in your Stephen King. Yes, I did. (laughs) Exploration, if you will. You know, like that. I remember that was one of the first short stories you read and you were like, holy shit. Yeah, I was like, these these shorts are good because that was that was that was that was terrifying. Like, I love like Low Men. That's like a really good story that like I dove into, I devoured. But this one sticks out to me just because it was so actually scary and horror to me. And that's what I love. It got my adrenaline pumping. I did picture it in my bedroom at night. I had sleepless nights like, and that's (laughs) why I love it. (laughs) So good. Oh, Oh my God. I, I can't. Kim, I'm going to let you go next because I, I, I'm i like mulling a couple over in my head and like, oh dear God, which one? Which one? So totally. You go ahead. Yeah, no worries. I'm kind of in your same boat because I love so many because I feel short stories and novellas are where we really see King like writing his ass off and we really see his genius. So my favorite short story that well I have so many but the one that is scared the hell out of me um and it's it's one where I think so many people have read this story and have felt that the floor fall out from under you where you're like oh my god I'm really terrified right now and it's actually in the same collection that Kendra's the man in the suit is in and that's 1408 from everything's eventual oh. and so that one was 
that's when I realized that this is a short story that I really love just because I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a huge horror fan just because I'm such a chicken. I love the gothic. I love all those things, but I'm a fraidy cat. And this was one, but it was so well written, so well done. And I found myself when I was reading this story, like gasping, like heart pounding, gasping with 1408. Um, so that is, that is, it is, it's incredible when you read it. Like the premise is incredible. The main character, I think is Mike Enslin. He's such a doubter. He's such a non-believer and they get hit the hardest, those non-believers. And, um, yeah, the whole experience, the, oh my God, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's a wonderful, terrifying ride that stays with you. And I think that's the mark one. And then, for my novella, I always have to mention 1922 from the novella collection Full Dark No Stars because that was the very first thing I ever read from King in my life. The very first anything was 1922. I was 26 years old. Really? Really? Yeah. Uh. yeah, I was just out of grad school and I had never, ever picked up King before. I was just like a snob and a brat and I was like I read highbrow academics and I was just dumb and uh, <laughs> and then you know I was I just picked it up one day um and my dad had a copy he's way cooler than I'll ever be and I started reading 1922 which is the very first story and I was like it after two paragraphs was like oh my god oh my god like what is who is this man who is this? Who is this master <laughs> that I have stumbled? <laughs> 1922 is uh, is so gothic and haunting and super Shakespearean, like just so much. What is it about? Ooh, so, like vaguely, it is about uh, a guy named Wilfred on a Nebraska farm in the year 1922, and he's got a wife and son. And uh, the wife is they're not in a loveless. They're they're kind of in a loveless marriage she's like i want to move to town and i want to open a dress shop and he's like you're not selling my land you're not selling the farm she's like yes i am hell i am it's my land because it actually is it's her i've seen the movie for this i have not read the story yet but i know where this goes oh my god it is a great netflix movie if you guys ever check it out it's a wonderful adaptation but anyway he just kind of gets this evil little worm of uh addictiveness inside of him and he's like well if you're dead then it's my land and so he hatches a plot with his older son who doesn't want to do it but he sort of ropes him into it and he murders oh god and he murders his wife and all sorts of terrible consequences that and it is gothic and creepy Mm -hmm. lovecraft it's very poe I was just going to say, it has Lovecraftian vibes. And like, I've only seen the Netflix adaptation, but even that translated that into it. I was like, ooh, Lovecraftian. Yes, very much so. <laughs> very Lovecraft. The The actual murder is extremely disturbing. Like, um, thank God in the movie they toned it down because he wrote it. It's brutal. It is rough but the the shakespearean downfall and the lo- oh my god it's just so rich and deep and atmospheric and so that is the very first thing i ever read from king and it changed my life so it has yet to, it's always going to be my top going to be my 
favorite just because it was just I love that I love it highly recommend you guys read and we should talk about it because oh we will (laughs) I think full dark no stars is coming up on our shorts list oh my god I yeah I think it is too to that because uh that's my jam (laughs) um okay after much deliberation I think I'm ready (laughs) so if I can do one of each if that's okay absolutely um my brain immediately was like the lawnmower man, but that's not- no, just no. It's not. Don't worry, don't worry. It's it's not. It's not my favorite. It just it's one that like pops out in my brain as like this outrageously weird masterpiece. But I like, like Kim, I try my best to put the lawnmower man <laughs> as far in the back of my brain as possible, and Jess will always casually be like. So the lawnmower man. And I'm like, no, it's at the front again. <gasps> oh, God, I haven't read it. So is it? <gasps> oh, is it going? Kim. It's, it's a mess. It's a fucking mess. <laughs> so it's good. a nightmare. Um, so my, my favorite uh, novella is N. Oh, that one's so good. That one's so good. Yes, yes. It's um That is a good one. It's Kendra, you read it, right? I did and I was convinced uh I was talking to my friend Jake the other day and I I swore up and down HP Lovecraft wrote that one and I was like, "No, it was HP." He's like, "It's a Stephen." I'm like, "No, it's an HP." He's like, "It's a Stephen." I'm like, "You know what? It's yeah. a Stephen." <laughs> Cuz it just has those vibes. Yep, yep. And that's why a part of why I love it so much because it's so Lovecraftian, but it's even like deeper than that it's a bit like arthur Machen, and steven touches on his work in revival also and this one felt the way that the end of revival did and it's God, yeah it's cosmic horror and that's my favorite variety of horror if you will favorite flavor of horror mm-hmm. and it and of course it's it's written as journal entries which is like my favorite way to for people to write stuff and it's it makes you think and it's so well done and it's and it's one of those like um kendra what's the creepy pasta that we love psychosis Uh, psychosis it's a little bit psychosis you're like oh he's crazy oh he's not crazy well he's a little crazy oh he's definitely not crazy you know and you're like kind of going back and forth with it yeah so it's it's a thinker um, my favorite short story is similar to you guys. It's like a gut punch. Um, and it's a random one. People like never name this one, but it's graduation afternoon. <gasps> oh, that's ringing a bell, but I don't, I don't. What's that yeah. from? Um, oh God, I don't even know what collection it's in. Um, a skeleton crew. I was going to say, I wanted to say skeleton crew cause I know I've listened to it. Hold on. Let me see. After, um, just after sunset. Oh, <gasps> I have read um, it. I have read it because N is also in just after sunset too. Oh. Yes, there were some memorable ones in there. So graduation afternoon is like, I mean, it's a short story. I can give it away, right? I can spoil yes. it. Can I spoil mm-hmm. it? Um, spoiler warning. There, spoiler they've been warning. warned. Um, it is so fast and it's like this girl who is 
um, hanging out with her boyfriend and his family and she like doesn't really like his family and she's going to like go into, they live outside of New York and they're going to go into the city and blah, blah, blah. And like, blah. and right in the middle of all this vanilla shit, um, a nuclear bomb gets dropped on New York city. And it's, it's only described as like she's looking at the the skyline and there's like this flash that blinds her and then there's no recovery from it king is just he says some words like oh you know once you know she'll regain most of her sight and then we'll have to do x y and z and things are never and it was just this quick frightening reminder that your life can change in a snap just like that and everything your whole world your entire existence is different because in this story new york city was utterly obliterated and everything was different and that it it was it was the gut punch that i liked that was just random i guess oh my god i'm i'm so excited you chose that that was so cool um because yeah i knew i had read it when we were talking about it um that's an awesome pick awesome pick just because yeah you're right it's thank you yeah it's like it's one of those where the you're kind of confused where you're just like what because i remember when i yeah i think if i'll have to go back to my episode coverage of just after sunset because i remember not kind of it resonating a little bit but then at the same time i did read it more than once and i just remember the the unexpected horror of it all because it's like a garden party she's at like a garden party on long island Mm -hmm. it kind of seems like and then all of a sudden there's a mushroom cloud and i believe that's like a direct quote of like a mushroom cloud that she sees and you're just like what just happened um that's a great choice i love that everybody that is i was wrong i have not read that one i was like wait what (laughs) I have not read that one. Yeah, and that's I was mistaken. That's so cool. I think I was thinking of the like mob one. I think that one's in Skeleton Crew, where it's just like a wedding and then gangster shit. <laughs> oh, hate that one. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know why. That's what I was thinking of in my mind. I also feel because you all did a novella that I need to throw out my favorite novella. So super Please. quick, let me tell Go you, my favorite novella is The Mist. And yes. I love the mist so much because like I was when I was younger, I was a super big fan of Silent Hill and just like the fog and mist aspect really gets me. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. What's out there? And like just that it's all these different like horrors. It just I loved like reading and finding out oh what next. And it felt so hopeless, too. And I was just like, what's out there? But of course, we don't want to go out there. But like, what's out there? I need to know. And it does not have a pretty bow ending. And I kind of like that in this one. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I don't like what happens, but I just I like when Stephen King is like, you want a good ending where we wrap it up in a bow? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I have not read that one yet, but I have heard. <gasps> right. I know. Oh, girl. Right? I know. Girl. I need to get on that so bad because I've everybody praises the mist so highly. So I'm excited to. It's good stuff. Oh my gosh. Everybody has such good picks. I love them. Oh my gosh. I love that both of Jess's were from just after sunset. Like that is so cool. They were. And I love, I was going to say one thing that's so amazing about N is not only is it in journal entries, but 
the descent into madness from our, yes. from our narrator and then it sort of shifts to an un a narrator and there was some really cool structural things going on in N that are commendable. And so that one's like, absolutely. Yeah. That's one where I really nerfed to N because that was like, okay, this is, this is redonkulous in terms of technique. So mm-hmm. I, if anybody wants to be really highbrow and admire King's writing, I recommend N for sure. That one's one. It is. And Jess, what is we a lot of the time because we like to read Lovecraft and Stephen and it seems like there's always a a story that Stephen was inspired by Lovecraft because we know he came first and it like is so similar. It's like a sister story. What what's the sister story for Lovecraft for that? Jess, the the journal writing one. Oh, um, in dark room. The one that's the one that's Whisper in um, the Darkness. Yeah, thank you. It's done in letters, right? Whisper in the Darkness. If you haven't read that one, Kim, you should check that one out. I will. Oh, it's a good one. And it's, you know what? There's something about writing in journal entries or letters or whatever that's like so, it makes it so more, much more believable, I guess. You know, like even. My yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. My brain was like, "Oh, Jerusalem's lot," because that's one of my favorite too. And it, it, it they really do. puts you there. Mm-hmm. Oh, love it, love it. I love your guys's picks. So good. Um, so we're going to pretend that Stephen King is having a book signing for this next question, and if we were only <laughs> allowed. Granted, of course, we'd probably be standing in line for two days, but. Um, Yes. If we were only allowed one novel to get signed by Mr. King, which one would it be? I know that Jess and I have the same answer, <laughs> and you might have the same answer as well, Kim. Yeah. But Jess, do you want to like say it on the count of three together? Yes. Okay. One, two, three. <laughs> right? Of course. We need the masterpiece from the master himself signed. Right. I, as much as I, I just wanted to say it all three at the same time. because Fun. But mine <laughs> is actually not it. Right. So <gasps> I know, I know, I know. This is a very hard decision um, because it is, it's perfection. It's, it's the best thing ever. It's, it's life changing. But for me, because my King journey began with Full Dark No Stars, I think I would pick that one. Oh. I was wondering if you'd pick that one. Cause, but like for me, my that. Stephen King journey was with starting with oh, it. Perfect. So it works for both for yep. me. Perfect. <laughs> Love that. Right? I know. I just like it, it just wouldn't feel. I, I just think it needs to. It needs to be like this was the very first thing that changed my life so this is what you need to sign if i, I love it one right i i would i would have a really hard time meeting him in person though uh i don't think i'd go starstruck i think i'd be really scared that like i would catch him at a cranky moment and then i would just be forever oh. and i was like Stephen king is <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, I'm a firm believer of never meet your but 
Agreed. Yeah. See, I feel like I'd have words for him yeah. because Steven and I need to talk about a few things. <laughs> so I'm like, I would want to be like, I, I love all that you do, but like, let's talk about this. And I feel like because I said Richie Tozier would be my son, I feel like I'd say something sarcastic and be like, get this, this, get this girl on my line. And I'd be like, oh, no, please. Because <laughs> I'd probably be like, do you want to sign it, God? I know that's how you feel in your books. <laughs> He'd be like, get her out. <laughs> Hilarious. I know a few people like that who really want to have some words with Steven and be like, why do you write about shit so much? Like, do you, are you into shit? Because you writes a lot about human poop. Uh, I feel like he targets me with all the eyeballs because I hate that as well and I'd like to ask him why I hate the inappropriately timed boners like why are there so many of those yeah those two yeah there's some there's some really inappropriate boners he he needs to have a panel because he can't deny us if we're in like a giant crowded room, <laughs> right? Get <laughs> a panel and be like, "All right, eight hundred and seventy-five people have the same question, Steve. So how about you? How about you acknowledge uh, why you have?" And it's like, would anybody be surprised? His editors are like, "Finally, it's coming out. We thank God somebody's bringing it up to him. We've brought it up to him like every day of our life." <laughs> Like, please, Steven, Steven, can we take this one out? It doesn't make sense that you're on the bike trying to wake up your, your girl that's in the deadlights. Like, maybe now is not the time for him to get a boner. Totally. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm really looking forward to your guys' coverage on the sewer gangbang in It because every, oh, everyone says orgy, but it is not. Um, there, That is not an orgy. It's a get- you know what, Kim, we're on the same page yeah. and Jess and I don't have similar opinions on that scene. We do, but we don't. <laughs> right, right. There is we'll save this very lengthy conversation for another time. I think it's gonna be yeah. a whole episode. Yes. I really do. I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. That would be one of my questions for him. Yep. Why? Yep. Steven. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I definitely uh, questioned a lot when I got this part. And I tried to rationalize it academically. I'm still having a hard time with it. So, <laughs> um, but my <laughs> I can't, I can't rationalize it. And like, it, the Jess and I have talked about this before too. But I want to recommend to the world it, but that holds me back yeah. because some people, I'm like, that's going to be too much, and like, they're going to look at me like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, ask Steven. I didn't write this. I love the book. Right. I skip that part. I don't skip it, but like. We pretend it didn't happen. Yeah, because it's God. It's such a hard pill to swallow. Like these are children, and my the only thing I understand. Not trying to go down a rabbit hole with it. Like the only thing that like helps me with it is that when they went into the sewer and when they you know defeated Pennywise the first time, it was the loss of innocence. Like it was going to take everything from them from child. It was going to uh, okay. It was going to steal every ounce of childhood from them. That was the price they paid to go down there and defeat it. And so they lost all childhood innocence. All childhood was like demolished. And that's the only thing I can think of, but it's still incredibly inappropriate and unsettling. <laughs> so yeah. Yes. Yes it is. <laughs> um but I want to dive really quick to uh, it's a huge aspect of, of like King collectors and the King lovers and constant readers is favorite Stephen King cover art. Which novel has or novels have your favorite? 
this, this is this is hard. It uh, is because there's so many different variations. And like I only I really only know the ones that I have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I I I have never just like searched them online, I guess. So I'm like thinking of my personal collection or the ones I've seen at the at like half price bookstore or any type of bookstore. Hmm. Um so I think first of all, I just want to honorably mention the what's the one that like just just recently came out? Uh later Leaping Later oh. by Hard Case Crime. Yeah, I love the like vintagey style yeah. of that. Um but that and Joyland, but like I and I know I've talked about this one already, so I'm trying not to choose ones that I've talked about before, but but it is what it is, right? So Yes. Um, Dreamcatcher is really the the book itself is in it's it's similar to Insomnia. Like there's a lot of existential shit going on, and um, I love how ethereal the cover looks. It's like winter, and there's this like really abstract looking Dreamcatcher coming down from the top. At least the cover I'm thinking of. And I... It puts me there. It puts me there. It makes me cold. And it puts me where the characters are. In like the... Well, really the whole thing. Scattered throughout. Because it's like it. They go back and forth between the past and the present. But where they are in the present is that cover. Ooh, nice. I like it. Good choice. For me, I'm not going to lie, like, I, I'm sure, like, that the book covers are super discussed, but I I don't, like, spend too much time looking at the book covers. If I'm being honest, I'm like, dive into that story. So this was a harder one for me because I'm like, what would I pick? And looking through my books, I really like, I have an, I don't know what copy it is, but I have my copy of Wolves of Kala, the Dark Tower series, is an interesting one because, like, on the front... It has one of the characters like in her wheelchair throwing these discs. And it just is like a super cool picture of like a super strong female character that I do like. And I love the darkness of it because it leads into like the darkness of that story. Like there's a lot of upbeat times, but it's like it's like a fighting story. And like that's what's right there on the cover. And also in that book, like inside it, it has these graphics like while you're reading through it there's pictures in this huge massive chapter book and they're so obscure and like weird looking like it almost reminds me a little bit of like scary stories to tell in the dark some of them only in color Ooh! so i just like those books i guess i like the cover and the middles little random tidbit pictures (laughs) the middles i like it um, I have a I have a couple favorites. Um, one of them, I think they're mostly just associated with memory, but one of them is the American cover for Revival because it's iridescent and I got it for Christmas. So I just have a vivid memory of like opening it on Christmas and there's this awesome like lightning bolt coming down the center and it's kind mm-hmm. of like metallic and iridescent. So I really love that one. But my favorite, favorite, favorite. And the reason why it's my number one, and I can't wait for you guys to read the 
book because if you can, I recommend getting your hands on the American hardcover of Duma Key because, oh my God, there's so many cool illustrations on it on front and back. And all of the illustrations are key parts to the book. So yeah, there's like a pink house in the background. That's where Edgar lives. There's a red picnic basket, super huge in the later plot of the story. There's green tennis balls. There's frogs. All of these are like 100% in the novel. And you, so it's really cool because as you're reading about Edgar's painting and then you just flip to the cover, it's such an immersive experience because you're like, oh like that's what he's painting. I'm looking exactly at what he's painting. And it's vivid and alive and it's like a really cool reader experience when you have because you're just looking at these gorgeous, really colorful illustrations and then all of them. All of them. There's not one left at all of them in the actual So it's so cool. That is so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So if you read Duma Key and you're looking you're like, oh my God, that's the house. That's the beach that's the harpoon gun that you're like ah so it's like a <laughs> it's like a total like uh, very childlike nerd fest it's, it feels a lot like when you were young in elementary school and you had like circle time at the library <laughs> and you're reading and seeing pictures it's as close as you can get to that because you don't really have to imagine at that much you you do a little bit but then you just look at these images that are already painted for you and you're like oh my god that's what it looks like ah! so um, I love that so I'm a huge fan of Duma Key so I, cool I really appreciate this question because like Kendra said this isn't I mean I probably go through more audiobooks than physical books so that that's not something I've really ever thought much of so I like I like the opportunity to think about that and like research a little bit. Kendra brought up how cool the actual misery text is because yes. there's so much going on. There's so much going on. And you're like, oh my God, you need to know. Like if you have only listened to the audio, which is fantastic, but you need to pair it with the physical because there's a lot of craziness and a lot of cool stuff where you're like, this is legit art right now. This is legit art. Like we need to be paying attention to this. So. <laughs> Oh, I totally agree. And uh, Jess and I were talking before, and we wanted to challenge you, Kim. <gasps> oh, my God. With a question that we love. We know the front of the book so important, but sometimes the back of the book or the inside cover can be just as fun because there is a <laughs> mirage, a, a collection of Stephen's author photos that are just so <laughs> fun to view. And we were interested at which ones are your favorite. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to share with you my top two because I saved pictures that I'm going to add right now uh, to our little Discord chat. And oh, God. My number one is uh, Steven looking like Sasquatch or like <laughs> a murderer on the loose. And there you go. There he is. Uh, he has a unibrow. His hair is long. He looks like he's ready to murder you, and someone allowed that to be published. <gasps> oh. Is that not horrifying? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> like, what? That's so bad. His eyes are like he looks going like he, in different directions. You know, he looks like Charles Manson. That's what we said. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yep. that's Charles Manson. Like, 
What the hell? <laughs> but no, that's Stephen King. What? And like people allowed this to be published. I know it's right at the beginning. I think it's right when he was getting uh, signed for Carrie and getting some money. But like, <laughs> that's our Stephen. And my second favorite, I like to call Stephen with cats because like somebody just put cats on this man and it's like, I'm scared for the cats, honestly. Oh, I'm worried. I feel like he's done something to them. Like, I don't know if he poisoned them, if he pinched one, I don't know, but he's doing something. I don't like his smile in that one. Yikes. I wonder if one of the cats, I think I read one, um, I think it was his daughter, Naomi. One of the cats belonged to her and it was named Smucky and it got hit by a car and that's what influenced him to make Church Hill or Pet Cemetery. Oh, of course so it I did. I wonder if that's good old Smucky. One of <laughs> it could be. It could be. Like, um, maybe that was on Pet Cemetery's back cover because he just has this uh, – this collection of pictures yeah, that and is a face that's a he he's got a, a grin that can be unsettling at times yeah so those are that's my top two i know jess has one with uh jess you want to talk about your favorite one i do and i'm looking at it now Hold like on. i realized this guys i realized <laughs> that you can't see these pictures but if you search you'll find them um looks like oh, brad pitt there like he's so foxy in that this he does However, this one is titled Stephen King Bewildered at a Typewriter because he's so, like, he is not looking at the camera. He is looking somewhere else, and I am convinced that he is unconscious and they have taped open his eyeballs. (laughs) You could really interpret it that way for sure, but... Annie has given him some pills and he's like, can I leave now, please? It's definitely a catatonic stare, but at the same time, he's, got his, <laughs> he's college student fresh with the glasses and the slick back hair. And he has like a Brad Pitt face right now. It's so crazy. Like he, when, when did that turn into Sasquatch? At what, you know? Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Um, I'm not savvy enough to just write with me but the only ones i could think of of course mine are like the most wholesome because my soul is that of a disney character but one of- <laughs> oh kim i love it <laughs> my one of my favorites is if you guys read the girl who loved tom gordon he is hitting he's got the a boston hat and jersey on and he's got a bat, oh. bat and he's pointing outward and that's what trisha does in the book she like points upward high and it's like a huge so it's kind of like he's doing what the main character is doing so i found a real connection to that it was cute and wholesome and kind of like tied the two worlds together a little so i like i love that yeah i like that one and then i don't remember which one different seasons but i think he's holding either owen king or Oh, yeah, that one's cute. I remember that one. He's so precious. And you're just like, oh, Stephen King's a dad. So I like the sweet ones. But I do. What's that one where he's like biting his thumbnail and he looks really constipated? Because that I got it for you. (laughs) I think I've got it for you. I was waiting for you to say something about it. But that's the bomb.com. The one I just said. He's got a stash. Right. Like his eyebrows are quirked. Yes. He's just oh ready God. for you to like worship him. He's like, "Yes, I wrote this. Um, you're welcome." Right? 
Like, what was he thinking? Tesla constipated. Yeah, like, what was he thinking with that one? Like, what is going on? That is... I don't know, but I'm happy about it. (laughs) Who approved this? Like, who at your... Who did this? Like, who at your publishing company was like, this one, a red circle, this one. I'm like, oh, God. That person, serious heart to heart, needed... Oh God! I this sorry is to me. give us get us a little off track, no, but we had I, to talk about the back of the book too. <laughs> I adore that you guys explore these. It's hilarious, <laughs> and they need to be discussed because a few of them are like, "What is what in the actual fresh hell is going on?" Like, <laughs> oh my God, that one's terrifying. The one that Jess just posted, like that. I think, that's old. That's an old Stephen too. That's, that's a, an old senior Steven. citizen Stephen. Silver-haired Stephen, and I feel like that was for a magazine. And he's just in a green T-shirt, and he's just kind of giving this menacing skeletal s grin. Yeah, the lighting. Yes. Yeah. That is. Yeah, um. That is creepy. That's a creepy Steve face. He's just the weirdest looking mofo. He is ever. Um, he. You know what? He reminds me of the. Grinch smile, um, like the really yeah. settling Grinch smile. That's uh, mm-hmm. cool. I think that's what we got with that photo. Yes, like Stephen, you write amazing things, but man, sometimes, sometimes your face scares me. I'll be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think you are alone. There. <laughs> he's a he's an odd ducky, aesthetically. <laughs> <laughs> there, um. I don't want to like. I don't want to give too much away, but just the world's tiniest spoiler from the Dark Tower. He like makes a weird reference to like Roland looking like him. Oh, <laughs> and I just, I know, I know he is like the coolest dude ever, but like, I don't, I don't want Roland to look like him ever. No, in any like, world. To- you you've you've read the gunslinger right i have so you know like roland is like this guy that kind of you know he can get ladies like he (laughs) he's kind of like what i would consider a silver fox and then he dropped that bomb and i'm like steven he doesn't look like you stop (laughs) like (laughs) oh my god no (sighs) keep dreaming though (laughs) (laughs) that is so awesome oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man oh i'm gonna be laughing quite a bit actually really good because you're just like stop it and stop stop it steven oh my gosh his, his upper lip is just so big <laughs> that's why he had the stash in that one but it doesn't even like cover the whole lip <laughs> we have to one of these days we're just gonna we're gonna what we're going to do, we're going to find wherever area we're going to go. We're going to bring all the King paperbacks or photos yes. on our phone or on an iPad. Go through them because this would, we need wine. We need, wine. We need <laughs> to rate them. Yes. We have, we can we have categories. We can oh have categories God. and have like our top five for each category. Like most horrific, <laughs> most awe, most uh, who put you in this position Stephen. uh like are you okay Stephen? because i think that catatonic state one needs to go in are you okay <laughs> <laughs> so yeah 
Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Kendra, Kendra, do you have the the jacket picture? Can you can you throw that one in the chat just as like an honorable yeah, me, mention? Yeah, let me let me find it super quick. It, it, it's on my phone, but because somebody posed him like that, and it's just he's just it's, like peeking out from behind his jacket. It's and... really it's trying to be cheeky, and it's like failing violently. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, I can throw it in there when I find it. We can go into the next question because I know we kind of diverted our questions. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. I'll find it and put it in there. I love it. I love that you guys did these. It's so much fun. Oh, my gosh. There's so much fun. Um, so I'm going to switch the order of, like, the final two-ish questions here because it's just really – the last ones are pretty fun. But which novel do you guys think deserve sequel? Or which character do you just love, 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 and you think they could have their own standout novel? For example, Danny Torrance from The Shining got his own standout with Dr. Sleep. Oh, yes. I love that. Do you want me to go, Jess, or you got an answer in your head? Um, I, I would like to answer one of those right now. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> Kendra's gonna hate me. Oh, um, gosh. Eyes of the motherfucking dragon. Because, <laughs> okay. because, because we only visit that world in one book. You know, like that world is so different than all of the other worlds that he has built. And I want more of it. I want more of like um, King Arthur, Game of Thrones meets Stephen King. Nice. I couldn't disagree more. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine with the napkin staying in the past. I haven't read that one yet. I want to. Oh, oh. please do do it. Please do. And then you can, you can pick a side that you stand upon. I, I stand upon the side of, I sadly could not finish. It might've been, if I read the physical copy, maybe I could, because it was the audio, the, the guy, He he has this voice. He's like, and where are we going now? And it was just like the so stupidest, (laughs) evil, like snaky voice. And I'm like, I can't take you seriously. You can't scare me. You won't scare me. I'm sorry. And I couldn't do it. I had to stop. (laughs) (laughs) That was the second time you stopped. I I did. You know, yeah. My first time was within the first uh, 17 pages, probably. And I was like, no, Stephen. Damn it. <laughs> Love it. Oh. I can't find the picture of him in his jacket, so I'm giving up. But Kim, I will send it to you when I do find it again someday. I have it because you sent it to me. Hold on. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Go on. Please continue with the other question. Oh, uh, I can say mine. So for me, I couldn't really think of one that I wanted a sequel of, but and I know the story would have to change for this to happen, but I want Nick Andrus to have his own story. He was so strong. He had, you know, these disabilities that he was born with, and then he gets, like, attacked, and they add another level to those disabilities. And yet, he is the most brilliant, like, leader, planner, strategizer, and, like, he just deserved so much more recognition more character develop like he made a lot of character development but his story was ended far too quickly and i want more 
<laughs> Love it. Oh, I haven't finished the stand because I just failed miserably a few years ago, but I did get to see Nick Andros and I do know what goes down and he's okay. I'm like, I'm so sorry. No, it's totally fine. <laughs> I've ruined it. You didn't actually because I watched the 2020 series on CBS or limited series. And so I found out everything <gasps> that happens. And I, I I wasn't a huge fan of the limited series, but the guy who plays Nick Andros is soulful, sweet, like, oh, I think Nick Andros is a really special character. So I couldn't agree more because I know I got a good spoonful of what his journey is, um, but I'm sure it's 10 times more visceral in the novel. Yes. I mean, just because you see his struggles and you're in his head too, and then like you see how far he comes and you're just like i need more i think people would love the hell out of that i think he's such a beloved character i always hear people like nick andros like how could you do this to us steven like so i think that's some suggestion i think we'd love the hell out of that if we got like a prequel for nick i would love that yeah oh a prequel i'd love it or as steven likes to say there are other worlds than these so you know maybe he's still yes somewhere else. even better even better so i kind of have two for mine i'm still sort of juggling but um the main character from salem's lot is ben mears um and get he does does he die guys i'm drawing a blank because i don't think he does no he does not he's in no. mexico right with nick or mike right. wait uh Yes, child. Petrie. So child. Yeah. I picked him because I, I remembered, it's been a while since I read Salem's Lot, but I was like, I don't think he dies. But I remember him being a little on the flat side character wise. But the fact that he has like survived Barlow and like the entire town becoming mm-hmm. vampire nest. I was like, we need some Van Helsing action. Like we need more Van Mears adventure, mm. more vampires. So I wanted just more of him and more like how this has changed him and because he's just like a little writer kid um and it's like um now you need to be van helsing like you need to be a really cool guy now because you have survived a lot so i thought it would be fun to get like a super fun action adventure with ben mears and then um i'm also picking lisey's story because lisey's story guys oh my god i can't wait to read it if you haven't it's nuts it's the Ooh. I haven't. Yeah, it's so weird. I haven't either. It's disturbing in the way that Rose weird. It oh no, lots of magical, very similar to Rose Matter, where we don't go into a painting, but we do go into another world, and Ooh. it's wild. It's really complex in the way it's written, but I kind of the main character, Lisi, she's kind of able to transport herself to this world. And she did share it with her husband, who's now deceased. And so I was kind of just wondering, like, more adventures from Lisi, maybe, in this world. Maybe not, because I think the way King wrote it, it's kind of tied up in a bow. But I thought she she's, like, 50-plus, and we need a middle-aged action hero, I think. <laughs> yes! Uh-huh. I love it! Oh, yeah, like, she's really brave, she's really strong, she's a widow, and she can transport herself to this creepy ass like jungle paradise but there's also monsters in it as well and so i was like i would like more. we need a spin-off we need like an action in her 50s <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> that makes me want to read that one like 
So I have to add it to the list. Totally. And they are doing a series coming out June 4th on Apple TV. And Julianne Moore is going to play Lisi. And Clive Owen's going to be her husband. Ooh, okay. It's really good. It's a wild one. So many constants have shelved it. They're like, this blows. I can't. Because it is a very challenging one to get into. It's weird. It's complex. It's like college level. This is like senior thesis level king stuff. And it's rough. It's like, what the hell is going on? But once you keep going, it's like, okay, I'm on board. Um, but the only thing is like if anybody's triggered by so like a lot of that, which is of course what Rose had in it. So mm-hmm. definitely have a buddy. Have a buddy with you. Yes, yes. Trigger warnings for sure. Oh, this is so much fun. So I have two more questions left. Um which is one <laughs> so uh they're pretty wild. They're pretty wild. So we're gonna have a great finale here this is the the big firework finale for our wonderful conversation with the palaver and so my next question is if you are forced to choose your own death by the hands of a king villain for example pennywise annie wilkes jim rennie norman daniel or insert other uh who would you choose to be the author of your death oh Oh, uh, me first. Go for it. Okay. Um, I right off the bat, and as much as we hate him, Kim, Big Jim Rennie, because I feel like it would be the fastest. Agree. Yep. Good. Yeah, that's a good one. I was asking that's, that's Jess it. more about Jim because I was like, how do I decide who I want to kill me? I don't even know this man. What did he do? Like... Those options that you gave us, I'm like, Norman, first off my list. He could not, I would, nope, I don't want him to be anywhere near me. And that would be the worst death. Pennywise, sounds like a shitty death too. Uh, Annie or Jim was what I was left with with those choices. And I'm like, Jess, like, would it be quick? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, I pick him too then. Because I feel like he'd just do a drive-by on me. Yeah. And then I would not have to be tortured for... Like everybody else would. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Um, one of the deaths from Jim Rennie in the Dome novel, he just like quickly snaps the neck of a woman. Like just like okay. twists. Okay. And it's it's really creepy. But it's fast. <laughs> so uh, you are right. It is quick. Um, <laughs> yeah. It is. Yeah. I, I think we all want a fast death, don't we? <laughs> just because we know like normie would eat us alive and like that is the worst thing ever and we know that pennywise would just torture us through our worst horrors like until it sucks all the fear out of us and then like who knows if we'd even die like maybe we'd have to just be like stuck in the deadlights for a while and then he'll kill us i don't know and then annie that's not i don't want to I can't deal with the medical stuff, the injections, the hobbling, the nope, I'd rather die. So if Jim's going to do it and I have to pick one, snap my neck. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Um, The human side of me is absolutely, yeah, quick and fast, just a bullet to the dome, Jim Rennie. Let's do that. I don't want to feel anything or know. 
um, yeah, Jim Rennie. Um, however, the like little literature nerd inside of me that wants a kind of haunted, creepy, eternal ending is I can't wait for you to read Duma Key because without revealing too much, let's just say the villain in that one is female and it's a little bit sea witch-esque let's so it's very layered but that's a very sort of like rudimentary description of her is she's a little sea witchy and she's very old really old super age love that like dark goddess of the ocean kind of thing oh so bad i love it oh my god it's so badass i love it and she's he leaves it ambiguous enough to where you're like what are you? And it's a little un- indef- undefinable, indefinable. I don't know. It's here. But um, so a part of me would want her to take me because all of the people she does take don't, they stick around in like an ocean esque creature setting. Ooh. And so I kind oh. of want to be like um, uh, an, o- like an ocean y ghost monster. <laughs> Oh my god, I love this. I was concept. just thinking too when you said like you're like if I had to like pick like a glorious way, I was just thinking that if I'm like letting Jim, I'm not letting him kill me, but if he was going to kill me, he'd kill me. Uh I would love to come back not from the same situation as the poor lady from Bag of Bones, but I'd like to come back as this horrific creature and like like come out of the ground, crawl towards him and like eat him and destroy him yes. bag of bones esque good yeah i just want to I, i'd love to be like this creature that gets to get my revenge Vengeance ghost yes <laughs> <laughs> there's that darkness again <laughs> sorry it creeps out sorry <laughs> you know what i have the same kendra i i am <laughs> but inside there's a serial down i know it <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's a tiny, tiny little microscopic particle, but it's there. <laughs> yeah, like he's the one that killed me. Come on, I need my revenge. <laughs> like, you don't think you can take my life and just not pay the piper? No. Sorry. Nuh-uh. Your ass is haunted. <laughs> you know, <laughs> me rattling my chains. Coming for you. Bob Cratchit style. <laughs> or no, not Bob Cratchit. Um, Jacob Marley. There we go. Jacob Marley. From yeah. Carol. Yeah. All right, Jess, you got your, your, do you have an, um, a, a haunting ghost-like death? <laughs> you want? Um, you know what? You guys describe them so well. I'm just, I'm just going to let that one let you guys shine on that one because <laughs> I, I, I'm really not sure. And I, I'm less of the ghosty person and more of the sci-fi person. So you guys own that. <laughs> nice, nice. So we are going to conclude amazing session with one last question. That was actually our first question, but it's now our last question, which is we recently as a trio conquered 1987's misery together. So I wanted to ask one more Annie Woke question before go and that would be if you had if you were imprisoned by annie will what do to escape do you want to go jessica do you want me to go i do i do because my answer is going to probably be a bit different than you guys because um i'm coming at it from 
from hearing the synopsis rather than reading it myself. Um, my fear response is to freeze. So I think I, I totally vibe with Paul. Is his name Paul? Mm-hmm. Um, why he took so long to do anything and why he was like perpetually kicking himself. Like, oh, why didn't I make a move when I had a chance? Because I would do the same. I would, I would be too afraid to just take that leap and like, all right, now or never, I either die or I get out. And I would just exist in that moment for as long as possible. Um, and I think once I did, I would abandon the wheelchair because I, I feel like crawling would get me further than wheeling through the snow. I like it. Very good. Yeah. I would definitely take a different approach. And because <laughs> my, my fear response is flight, like get out. Um, but I know like with Annie, obviously if I was like that, like crippled at the time I couldn't just get away as soon as I would want to so I'd have to like play a slow burn game and like build up this friendship uh I would definitely do try to do I know it's it's easier said than done um Paul mentioned in the story that he realized he had to like slow his intake of the pills so he could get off them because they were such a hindrance he was reliant on them he needed them and before he could make a good escape he had to get off them so I would prioritize that and like I said easier said than done because he was already addicted when he woke up mm -hmm. but I would try to get off the pills so that I had a clear head and then one day when she was gone I would chuck my wheelchair through a window I would crawl myself out I would get get the fuck out there I know it'd be hard with the wheelchair whether it's winter at this time whether it's thawing I don't know but I would power wheel the fuck out of there I'd be going five miles an hour on the road cars would be going by like who's this crazy bitch and I'd just be powering I'd be like get me anywhere else like bye I'm gone peace out someone help me crazy lady in a wheelchair legs everywhere which direction screaming her head off for help she'd andy'd probably find me and be like you're coming home with me but i would try i'd fucking try <laughs> i love your passion that's awesome <laughs> thank you <laughs> i think mine is kind of like a combination of both yours a little bit um so i'm similar to jess i'm a further for sure and then i'm also i would do what kendra said in terms of like be her buddy i would absolutely placate her to the max and just be her best friend like oh Annie you're my sister and I'm we were brought together for a reason like I would just lay it on really thick until I could heal enough this would probably be a tough sell because Annie is indeed evil but girl yes. it would be a long game like you said Kendra like standing in the rain for any progress but mm. my goal would be since you know my 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 movement is impaired instead of risking like not being picked up by somebody on the road or her, like I, what I would try to do is who knows how long this would take, but say, you know what, Annie, I really want to like go sit in a park or I want sunshine or, you know, it would be awesome okay, for my birthday. Can you take me to a movie or like something where she, Oh, that's so smart. Yeah. Where she would have to take me into town. And in you like I would tell you could disguise me. I could be completely head to toe, and then then I would like go full on nuclear as soon as I was around people. Like 
screaming. Yes. Yeah, like a full-on nuclear. But but it would be a long game, though, because she would have to 100% trust me. Yeah, because you know, like, if, if she took you out and she took, like, the gun with her, like she said with the police officers, you know she doesn't care if you're in public. She would shoot you and then shoot herself. Yeah. She'd yeah. be like, well, over. Totally. <laughs> game over. Yeah, so it would it would have to be a slow con or unfortunately like i know if if i was in that i don't handle pain very well much as i think I do i have a feeling i would have probably killed myself <laughs> like personally like <laughs> as grim as it sounds there's no way i could hang on for that oh no for the after like the hobbling and th- oh no if if she came after that and was like i could end it now i'd be like bet like <laughs> let's do that annie actually let's do that right now or i would just swallow all the all the pain medicine uh, yeah i would just yep, down the hat i know it sounds so morbid but like that is it's just so hopeless being uh, i can't imagine absolutely like one thousand percent just the most hopeless situation so uh i would probably uh, have done that or played a long one like it would probably take a year for me to get out yeah but- but I, but I do it. I try. I would try to get into a public place and have her like 100% think we're BFFs forever and that I would never betray her. And then maybe passive tests. Like there was one where Paul, where the cop come to the house and Paul does yeah. and then she like trusts him. She's like, why didn't you? And he's just like, why would I do that, Annie? But like deep down, he was like plotting. So plotting. Long, I love that. Either long Brilliant. con or like full on suicide. <laughs> <laughs> there's that much in between Opposite right with Annie. The spectrum. <laughs> i actually have like a super quick bonus question too for my trauma sister oh my god oh my god go for it so I-, I was thinking of a very specific moment and i was like i need to know like what has what stephen king moment in a movie or a book has like made you want to peace out the most like i'm done close book leave theater and I can tell you mine first because it haunted me forever. So it didn't, it was bad in the book, but it was worse in the theater when I saw Dr. Sleep. Oh God, I know what so, you would say, yeah. Oh. I thought it was going to be better in the movie because the part that I am talking about is where they, uh, torture and feed on this young boy's soul just by stabbing him repeatedly and um you know harvesting his fear and honestly it chokes me up just saying it right now because it's i'm picturing it because they made me watch it and um i thought in the theater i'm like they can't show that in real life like that's something like that's in a book that they can't show that's just like so horrific they'll cut away and i won't see it and they Full on showed everything. And really? I went with a friend. What? I'm sorry. Did they really? I didn't yes. see it. Yes. Ooh. They they showed stabbing this boy. They showed the fear <gasps> on his face. They showed like it, them enjoying it. And it was, I wanted to leave the theater. I looked at my friend and I'm like, I am so sorry. She's like, this is really awful. And I'm like, I didn't think they could show this. Like, I want to leave as well, but I kept like telling myself, I'm like, this is fiction. This is fiction. This is fiction. That boy is fine. That boy is fine in real life, but it was the most horrific haunting thing. 
And even like I said, I have never watched that movie again. I've never touched that book again, just because that's what I have to think of now forever when I think of Dr. Sleep and I hate it. Oh my gosh. I can't believe they like, I'm actually really shocked that they were able to, to do that. I thought, I thought violence had its limits, you know? For like rated R or whatever it and was. Damn, that actor did well. Like, I'm sorry. Like, he's a very good actor because I, I just was like so crushed and like horrified by his facial reactions, and I thought he was really being. St- I'm like, I know he's not, but like, oh, did it was they? Too sh- much. I mean, did they show like knife entering body? I mean, ooh, you, you know, I don't know, but like. You could see his face. I think his like his you saw his upper chest and they were stabbing below, maybe. And I just his face, Jess. I I Kim, if you saw it, maybe you can add to this, but it was I try to block it out, but it was the most haunting and horrific thing. Oh my god, girl, you and I had a experience. Um so you don't see the knife entering or anything like that, but you see the blood spray on his face. And what's so oh. what's so horrible about it is in the actual Dr. Novel, the murder of the baseball boy by the true knot is like a paragraph, like a paragraph at most. It's very small and it's not even graphic, right? They made it longer and worse. I blame this on director Mike Flanagan. I think he went way too far because my actual reaction, I started crying. Uh, It was so upsetting. So upset by this torture of this little boy screaming for his life and they went way too far way too long they didn't pan away they didn't do a soft focus they just it was Mm -hmm. brutal and it would not end i was crying in my movie theater chair like and i yeah i was same i thought i was gonna throw up i I really did and then i did see the movie um, because i wanted to see the director's cut but i walked out of the room and i completely fast forward i will never see that again as long as i live nope that i can't yeah that is it's actually not my um my pick but i 100 agree with you kendra it it was too far it was awful and i (sighs) and the thing is is king didn't write it like that like they took mike flanagan screenwriter whoever took the reins on that went too dark with it way too dark like the murder of a child like my god like and this is the torturous brutal murder of a child it was like let's pump the brakes this is and you're right kim like i even in my head what they could have shown i was like okay at least it'll be quick but i'm like they'll probably pan away like they can't even show that and it'll be so quick and it just kept going and it was focused and yeah it it was so much worse than i could have imagined and i hate it yeah i even read some or not read but some cast interviews the actress who plays rose the hat and a couple others and she said that was so disturbing to film that the actual actors had to like walk off set and be alone because i'm sure they were so upset by what they had to do and like the little boy who is being victimized of course he was fine like he was you know just trying to do his best acting wise but the people who were actually like the true not members who were harvesting him were so disturbed by the filming of it that they had to like go be alone and oh any adult that care that has any like care in their heart for a child like it just becomes that specific child and you're like no 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 please stop this like 
I want to protect this boy. I want to protect, you know, any kid that could be in this situation. And it just is the most heart wrenching thing I've ever had to see. And yep. Wish I didn't see it, to be honest. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That was way too damn far, way too far for for a King adaptation of any kind. So I blame Mike Flynn for that because King in the actual I do very small, very small little scene. But um, uh, Jess, do you have one? I do. Um, and mine is immortalized in our podcast, uh, The Breathing Method. <gasps> oh, God. Yeah. The, yeah. For very, like, just specific reasons, like, um, labor kind of, like, gives me the willies. And I know that's, like, that's, I'm a woman. Like, that should definitely not be the case. And I understand, like, it's the miracle of life and all that. But, like, also gives me the willies so like that on top of what happens to this woman in labor is it it just my reaction to it was i had a very very violently bodily reaction and i was um sitting on the floor of my bathroom for like 15 minutes just positive that i was gonna hurl yeah after after like I literally I I listened to it and I happened to be sitting in my bed and I was I don't know what I was doing while listening to it but whatever I was doing I stopped and like my jaw dropped and then I like ripped my headphones off and ran like it just I couldn't it was too much it was too much it was gross and I wanted to like it because I like the Lovecraftian feel of the beginning of the story and the end but no oh no no I think that's so valid. And yeah, that that episode is so weird. Uh, if you check it out on our, our podcast. Uh, it is weird. We've had people say, like, the ending is so weird for, for us because we usually have a lot to talk about at the end, but we both, like, had nothing to say. We're just like, so uh, check us out on Instagram, <laughs> I guess. Uh, like, it was just so weird because we both, like, I was experiencing it for the first time and as just rendered speechless and... Jess like was so disturbed again retelling it that it's just the weirdest end to an episode that we've ever done I think yeah and people were like um I actually got a comment from a friend that was like wow that like really it reminded us that you're not like a celebrity or you're you're like a human who reacts violently to things sometimes because you both were like oh no no at the end oh god i couldn't agree more and yeah it would be really hard to, like do a sunny tone after the brief i actually go into a lot of detail when i covered different seasons because i didn't really know how to touch it because it was so up it was so unsettling i have i think it was yeah. in shock like i even have a hard time like verbalizing my thoughts about it right now because it was so shocking it is the most like unsettling thing of yes Uh oh my god um it's so macabre it's just so dark like it is it's i mean that whole collection is wildly unsettling but like or i'm sorry two stories in there because shawshank was not but like it i don't (laughs) say the f word very often in my podcast because i don't think about it um also like me being a teacher it like I don't know. I have to like be in the right mind space, but fuck apt pupil. Like yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah. Right now. Like fuck that story. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> yep. Um, I hate. Oh, I hated every second of that. And that would be my pick. That is my number two pick for the most awful reading experience of my life. <sighs> um, and it's yeah, yes. it's in that collection. But um, breathing method so valid of being. That can never be a movie, guys. That can never. No. no. Thank no. God it has not. I was like, oh, interesting. Like, this is a powerhouse for movies coming from a, you know, short story or novella collection, technically. I'm like, we got at people, we got uh, The Body, we got Shawshank, and why didn't they do Breathing Method? And then I'm like, oh, okay. Yep. You can't. You <laughs> literally cannot. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't understand. Like that, that collection is so. He's got like his two most vile, disturbing <laughs> yeah. stories next to like his most like celebrated. Uh, uh, yeah, like what? What is happening in that collection? <laughs> what? It is so polarizing because <laughs> breathing method is just like I, I'm speechless. Like when I think about what I know about breathing method, God, I can't. I have no words. I'm so shocked. But then apt pupil actually makes me mad. Like I get enraged because I was like, I, this is just, this is awful. This is the most depraved, deplorable. Yeah. Depraved. Oh, mm-hmm. This is so gross and unsettling. And I hate every single person in the book and I hope they die. I hate them. I hate Kirk yes. Sander. I hate Ted Bowden. I was like, you guys deserve each, just kill each other. Kill each other right now. Yeah. Because I hate you both so much. Yep. I agree. Right, and I know a lot of people love like the darkness of it. It's too much. It's too dark for me. It absolutely is too dark to to. I I can't. It's and that's when I know it's too far is when I cannot look at it from an academic lens because I could look at a lot of like stuff from an academic perspective and be like, okay, I see what they're doing here. It is on subject matter, but but I can't. I can't with. Um, like it's psychologically fascinating. That's the only thing I could give it is there's a lot of cool psychology going on in the descent between these two males, but that's it. And then I, and then I'm like, nope. Agreed. Oof. But my, my moment is actually, even though I did mention a few guys, is actually the end of Bag of Bones. <gasps> really? Um, I had a really hard time with and I really it kind of snuck up on me because without I, I discuss it in my bag of bones episode, but basically you find out the reason why this dark score lake is did, and it's mm-hmm. grisly crime. Horrific. Oh my god, it's horrific. Ooh. There's a gang rape. Uh mm-hmm. gang rape, seven yep. men, which is like horrifying. And then at the same time that this gang rape is happening, uh, an eight-year-old child is being drowned right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's horrific. Yeah. And so that, I I have not gotten over it. Like, that has been in my mind since I read Bag of Birds a few months ago. And even though it's at the end and it's only one chapter, it's so awful and wrong because the crime against this woman. It's just like, I think it was also so powerfully written, you feel like you're there feel like you're a bystander witnessing 100% the description on that was unnecessary for so many levels but it does fuel like you're like yeah let this letter come back kill them all murder them all yeah yeah you're right it's like um the the justice in that one is great 
Totally. And it makes like, once you get to the end, it's totally full circle and you're like, Oh, got it. Yep. Totally fine. I'm, I'm pro vengeance. Go you, Sarah. Like, mm-hmm. All about it. But like, there are lines of that scene that will still play in my mind. There are like moments that will still like, that's when I was like, okay, I have trauma because that's, I feel what trauma is, is like recurring uh, memories of something. And so uh, at, that has happened only with bag of bones. So I would say that's mm-hmm. my pump the brakes, Steven. That's the one where I'm like, I really wish I would have that. And so I do have a hard time with sexual violence, I think, but this is the worst I've ever read from Steven. If you guys know of worser or more worse. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, I remember right before I read bag of bones, I was talking to Jess and I was like, at least, you know, I've read horrific things from Steven, but I've never read like, um, sexual violence or rape from Steven. And I'm like, I'm glad that he hasn't done that to me. And he just fucked me up with bag of bones. I was, I literally said that right before I'm like, you know, at least I haven't read anything. I hadn't read, read Rose matter by then. Uh, I'm like, at least he hasn't hit me with that like horror. And then I just got bulldozed over as I finished bag of bones, sadly. And I was like, well, he done did it. I (laughs) never mind. I was like, I retract my previous statement. Steven has messed with my mind. Thank you for that, Steven. I know. Never challenge him and be like, this is the worst because something worse is going to happen. Right. right. You're so right. I love that expression. Done did it because that's exactly. <laughs> down in bag bones like I was oh I'm haunted guys I'm haunted it's so bad it's so bad so yes I think we all have uh, a lot of heavy <laughs> heavy trauma from trauma sisters trauma. unite <laughs> trauma sisters unite oh my goodness of which I love being a part of this group <laughs> as, <laughs> as, as, as rough and, and bumpy as it is being a trauma sister safety and numbers, but I don't want to take too much of your guys's day because I've already smaug dragon. I am over gall- gobbled up so many hours of your lives. This has been an absolute blast, but for Justin Kendra, would you sort of say, um, podcast, Twitter, and, um, all of the social stuff and then let us know what you guys have going on on your show and how people can find you and reach you. Yes. Thank you so much. We've had so much fun. Jess is going to tell all of the places you can reach us. And then I'll give you a summary of what we got coming up next. Um, So you can find us on Instagram at Palaver Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Palaver Weird Lit. And you can find us well, not find us. You can email us at <laughs> palaverweirdlit at gmail.com. Yes, please do. And we are having a little vampire kick right now. And (laughs) for me, uh, I'm taking a black, a black, a blast from the past and digging into some fucking Twilight. I'm sorry to use the (laughs) F word, but once again, I think it's needed here. Uh, Um, We decided we're going to do a drunk book episode for Twilight. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I am taking the absolute polar opposite other side of the coin approach to it and doing Dracula. Nice. 
<laughs> so we got some humor coming and we got some serious classics coming your way and all revolving around vampires. Oh my God. I love <laughs> it. And so Twilight is going to be a drunk book. Will Dracula be a drunk book or a sober book? It will be a sober book. Uh, but I, I'm, I actually prepared Kendra today that it's probably going to be a long episode because I am going to dive deep Get it. into it. Get it. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. There's never enough vampires. That's my stance. Never. <laughs> vampires are always welcome. They are always yeah. They're always cool. More vampires all the time. More. Even the sparkly ones? No. <laughs> <laughs> so those don't count. <laughs> because the line is gone. I agree. They don't count. Um I think Twilight, just really quick, is a lovely teen romance about unrequited love and a love triangle. Um, no, and yeah, and then one person, I guess, is a wolf, but they are not vampires. No, no, <laughs> vampires are <sighs> murderous creatures of the night. They do not get to go into the sun. They not beautiful, sparkly men. They don't get to sparkle. They will rip your throat out. Period. (laughs) And that's how it needs to be. Full stop. Mic drop. (laughs) Mic drop, please. Yes. So, I mean, we we are right on the same page with you. So you can just imagine how that episode's gonna go. So, yeah. Check it out. <laughs> oh, so exciting. Well, thank you guys so much for being my friend today. You are some of the most wonderfully well-read people as well as super awesome fans. It's such a joy to read books with you and chat King with you. So I'm excited of our next opportunity to do that. Um, and so for everybody out there, please, I'm going to have uh, their link in the show notes. Please check out Palaver Unraveling Lit for Jess and Kendra's explorations of King, as well as other spooky tales. So thank you guys so much for being my guest today. Thank Thank you for having us. We love being here. (laughs) We do. This was so much fun. Yay. All right. Until next time, let us say farewell. Thank you guys so much for listening to Jess, Kendra, and myself. I am officially adjourning this session of the Stephen King Trauma Sisters. We hope you guys had fun. I do apologize once more for the audio and many thanks if you made it this far, but please check out Palaver Podcast, Palaver Unraveling Weird Lit. I have their link in the show notes, and you can also jump back to our two-part episode on Rose Matter as well as our most recent thorough exploration of of misery. We had a really good time doing that, but definitely check out Justin Kendra's stuff. It's always funny. It's always delightfully crass. <laughs> so um, I adore those gals. I, it's always a joy to work with them, and I thank them once more for helping me have so much fun and commemorate one year of the podcast. So for any of you guys who are fans of this show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give me a five star or share the show with a friend, a fellow King reader. We are a little baby Stephen King podcast amongst many cool friends. I'm so 
so excited to be part of this ultra lovely, welcoming, warm, super rad community of King fans. So please share this show with a friend if you would be so kind or say something nice about the show, even more double kind. I would love you forever. Um, once more, check out our socials, Underrated SK Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And if you would like to chat about any of the King novels covered thus far or any interviews or anything about the show at all, please write to me at underratedsk at gmail as I'm frequently checking and I love to hear from you guys. So stay in touch. I'm making my way through Drawing of the Three and we'll have that episode up soon. So wherever you are in the world, thank you so much for listening. Take care and bye-bye.